All right, welcome into episode 56 of the Natural Hat Trick podcast. Luke Lipinski alongside Jamie Eisner. Craig Morgan is on location. How many different locations have you done this podcast from, Craig? Mm, I'd have to go back. I know I did it from Oregon. I'm, I'm try- I don't know, actually. I have to go back and check that. At least two different locations Craig has done this podcast from. It's amazing, folks. Uh, Jamie, any house cleaning before we start this off? <laughs> Yeah, just uh, just a quick reminder, okay. if you didn't hear us last week, that if you're following us on iTunes and you search Natural Hat Trick, to follow and subscribe to the podcast that has the Today Slapshot logo on it, not the one that has the uh, the little bit newer logo that has a blue background. So yes. if you want our shows to update each and every time that we record a podcast, which is usually every week. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Jamie gets emotional when he talks <laughs> about the weekly podcast, and I don't blame him. I know. It's, it's an emotional it's, show. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's still real to me, damn it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, subscribe to the one with the Today Slapshot photo. If you find us on Twitter, at the Natty Hattie, which there's actually a new logo there I'm pretty excited about. But um, if you find us there, the link to the, the updating iTunes link is on there because I know people are having a hard time. They're, they're picking it up off the Today's Slapshot just webpage or whatever, but they're not actually – some people are still having a hard time finding the uh, iTunes feed that is updating every week. There is one out there updating every week, and that link is in our uh, profile page on Twitter. So anyway, there you have it. Let's, uh, let's get into some hockey. Let's start – well – I'm driving the show today, so let's start with Sidney Crosby making his, it sounds like, return tonight. Uh, I personally was shocked he didn't wait for whenever they play the Coyotes, because that's when most players like to make their returns. But Sidney Crosby back in the lineup. I'll let you guys talk about this, because it's going to seem biased if I talk about it, but I think it's better when he's in the game. You got anything, Jamie? Because I got nothing. Uh, yeah, uh, Sid, I'm just going to limit and say Sidney Crosby's a really good hockey player. And yes, Luke, it is good when he's playing in the game. Craig. <laughs> wow, we've had so we've had it so much. Oh, I'm glad you I'm guys are here. I'm surprised we didn't hear more about that logo you created, by the way. Oh, I, you know, did I don't you create that. I did create that actually from scratch. You're welcome and thank you. It's pretty sweet looking, actually. I, people I, should go check it out. People should. It's not it's not up on the our main page yet, but it's we're testing it out on Twitter. We'll see. We're pulling it all together here. It's what inspired releases. that? What inspired that, Craig? It's funny you should ask. You and Jamie inspired that. You know, I feel like I should add something more on Sidney Crosby. <laughs> but by the way, you talked about housekeeping, and if we talked on our show way, way, way back when, of uh, different things that the the New York Mets is Double A affiliate, the Binghamton Mets, soon to be renamed. Yes. November third is the day. Oh, finally, we find out if the Binghamton Timber Jockeys Woo! or the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. Uh, pulling for Rumble Pony. Stud muffins. We'll find out. Stud muffins was really an option. It, it was really an option. Jeez. The lesson here is name your own minor league teams. Don't let uh, random fans in Binghamton name those teams. All right. Well, you guys, you guys really sold the, uh, the Crosby return, so that's big. Um, Pittsburgh was still doing pretty well, well without him. <laughs> I don't even know how to ask I this was question. Gonna say, I did want to say one thing on Sidney Crosby. And I, I, I'm sure you're very concerned about this, but when somebody has multiple concussions, Luke, it, how comfortable should we feel that he's back in the lineup? Of course, he's gone through all the protocols, the testing, and, you know, we know that the NFL and the NHL are very concerned with player safety and they would never do anything to, to jeopardize the players. Cough, cough. But how do, you, how do you feel about this, knowing he's had at least three, he's had three known concussions? Yeah, I think the concern just in general is if this, one, if this most recent one really happened in practice, then that kind of lends some sort of 
credence to the notion that once you have one, it's easier to get a second, and then it's easier to get a third. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think I really knew either one of you before he got that, that one against the Capitals in the Winter Classic. I was not nearly as obnoxious of a Sidney Crosby follower before that. But once he missed over a year, my thought was kind of, I'm going to try and watch every game he plays because I genuinely do think he's one of, if not the best player in the league. So I don't know how much longer his career is going to be. I mean, it would have been the same way if Ovechkin was, was injured like that or if McDavid was injured. Those are guys that I don't, I don't want to miss a lot of their their games and their career if their career is going to be shorter. And I don't know how much longer Crosby plays. I mean, he could go another 10 years and still be effective. But, yeah, it's concerning. It would be concerning pretty much no matter who it was. Yeah, and that year-and-a-half void is going to be talked about constantly. It's going to be when, especially as he gets older and he gets to closer and closer to records falling and where he places on the all-time list, everyone's going to start talking about, well, what if, what if he was able to play and didn't get hurt during that period of time? Where would he be at that point? It's kind of the, not quite the same way, but a little bit the way we talked about Yarmir Yager when he went overseas was, wow, if he stayed in the NHL and he played and accumulated stats in that period of time, where would he finally be? Especially with Yager because he's, I mean, he missed, he missed more years, and he's obviously higher on the scoring charts, partially because he played in the 90s when it was a little bit, when scoring was a little more... Uh, prolific I guess so you start to look at where Yager is in the top 10 top 15 of all time in some of these categories you do wonder if he would have had those three plus years back and with Crosby you got to remember too he missed half a season like everybody else did uh, because of that lockout so you can basically almost look at Sidney Crosby's career and say he missed two full years although I don't know maybe I'm, I'm in the minority here but I don't necessarily think of his career in terms of stats like I do with some of these other players. Like, I would assume Crosby will finish, I don't know what, top 20, 30 in, in most categories, but it's a different era, and, and he's, not, he's not really the, the stat sheet filler now that maybe he was at the start of his career. Craig, how's, uh, how's New Jersey? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. I just, you know, you, you talk about near the end of his career, what, whether we'll be talking about those things. I also wonder if we'll be talking about Sidney Crosby's long-term health. I, and that, that's, that's the major concern here is how long do you keep doing this? Uh, again, there's no roadmap here. The science on it is still pretty much in its infancy, and, and obviously every player is different. But when you, when you have this many concussions, you really worry about the player's prospects once he's, once he's retired from the game. I, I worry about his health, worry about what he has to deal with down the road. Those aren't... You know, those aren't based on any medical evidence that I have right now at Sidney Crosby, just on, you know, what we've been told so far from medical science about multiple concussions. God, you, you don't want to see anyone suffering like that, obviously. But, you know, he's such a high-profile player that I think it just uh, casts a, a brighter spotlight on this whole issue. Yeah, that's a fair way to put it, because I think that he's somebody that the NHL would like to have prominently displayed after his career is over. I mean, it you know, we're seeing more of Wayne Gretzky now, but I feel like there was like a 10-year void after he retired, mixed in, you know, when he's been retired, Gretzky, for about 17 years. I feel like 10 of those years, we barely saw him. You know, we see Mario Lemieux, but it's just because he's part owner of the Penguins. We, we don't really see either of them as, as constantly as I kind of anticipated we might. I'm sure they wouldn't mind if Sidney Crosby, whenever he retires, is, is still a, a major face of the NHL. But you're right, Craig. I mean, if he's if he's hurt even after he retires, that would obviously be uh, quite the downer. I mean, he's not the only player in the NHL that's had three concussions, and, and I would say the one positive from this is he did miss well over a year with that one from the Winter Classic, which obviously there were other extenuating circumstances there. 
he's missed about yeah. two weeks this time, and, and they seem confident he can come back. And Pittsburgh has a history of having a lot of guys with concussions and not rushing them back. So I'm going to, for now, at least take them at their word that they're not rushing him back. They also have a history of players with neck injuries that they can't identify. Well, yes. But yeah, and, and knew somebody yeah. was going to go there. <laughs> and by somebody, you meant Jamie, yeah, right? Of course it was going to be me. Pretty much, yeah. We need to have, like, the Jamie doll for, like, on sale in stores now, the NHL.com store, where Jamie, if you pull the string, he says something about the Penguins training staff or Peter Chiarelli or something. He insults some Canadian team. That's a given. <laughs> Possession numbers, that's definitely a thing. All right, so now we're going to set Jamie up to insult some Canadian teams. The two teams with the best records right now, if the season ended today. It would be a terrible season. It really absolutely would be. The Stanley Cup would be... Montreal and Edmonton. Discuss amongst yourselves. Uh, if we think the NFL TV ratings are bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I, I feel you want to just riff here, Jamie. <laughs> well, you want to floor for a moment? Does any? I, I, we'll start with this. Does anybody really think Edmonton's going to be there in the end? Where's there? Let's define where there is. Top three in the Pacific. It wouldn't shock me if they were third. I don't think so. If you told me to pick right now, I would say no. But it wouldn't shock me. They haven't. They also haven't really played anybody yet. But to be fair, I mean Edmonton couldn't beat nobody's for the last half decade. So it's not nothing, but it's also six games. Well, they're five and one as we record this. Did they even win five games last year? It doesn't. It doesn't feel like they did. So, uh, yeah. But you know, when you look at what's happening in the Pacific Division right now. With the you know the teams that are traditionally near the top of this division, specifically Anaheim and LA, LA dealing with insane goaltending issues, and Anaheim just had to you know somebody decided that it would be a good idea just to throw them out on the road for like the first month of the season. So things have been tough on both of those teams, but I, you know we've talked already about some of the shortcomings of those clubs and and the possibility that the Pacific Division could just slip over a little bit and we could see the rise of some new teams. Uh, you know, top three, maybe. Connor McDavid is that good so far. He's that good. And when you look at those struggles combined with some struggles in the Central Division, namely with my Chicago Blackhawks, uh, maybe it's not as crazy talk as it sounded a little while ago. Well, I would say this. If, if we're talking about Edmonton finding a way into the playoffs, I still think it's third place in the Pacific. I just, I still, and we'll get into Chicago in a, in a moment, but I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot to make me think that both wild cards don't come out of the central. So I think, you know, we talked about this before the season started. Calgary is a fast team that could cause problems for teams like L.A. and Anaheim. The Coyotes are that team, and Edmonton is that team. And we just don't know where each one is in their development. Calgary and the Coyotes have started slow. Edmonton, has, I mean, they're 5-1. and one. They, Like I said, they've played Calgary twice, Winnipeg, Carolina, Buffalo in five of those six games. So it's, it's not like they've had to take on Chicago, Washington, and Pittsburgh every game. But they are, to Jamie's yeah. point, they're winning games that, this year that they didn't win last year, and they just they score a lot of goals. I don't know. If, if we're predicting them to make the playoffs, it's obviously very early after six games. But I said at the start of the season it wouldn't shock me if they were right there in the eight or nine spot. Yeah, I mean, and- You know, we were talking about the, the scoring jump, and, and I haven't looked at where it is today after yesterday's games to see how much scoring is still up. But, you know... I, I can't help wondering if, if this is just a if it's just a blip like we talked about last week where it'll sort of settle down and teams get get used to their systems get you know get used to each other uh, and get used to playing other teams maybe get a better read on personnel from other teams but if this is going to be a, a more offensive league 
that would certainly benefit the Edmonton Oilers because Connor McDavid's just been ridiculous so far. He's just been so good. You could certainly make an argument that he's been the best player in the game so far. And it doesn't hurt that the whole division kind of sucks right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, really which we're going to get into. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, with, with the Oilers, how do I say this without Jamie pointing at me and laughing? He's already pointing. <laughs> it Okay. If you took Connor McDavid off the team, obviously they, they would be terrible. If you took Connor McDavid off the team and, and replaced him with a good young player, like let's say the Oilers had Patrick Laine instead of McDavid, I don't think they're a playoff team. It's just that with, with what Craig just said, with the league becoming so conducive to up and down the ice, run and gun, high-scoring teams that are comfortable winning 5-3 games instead of trying to play some defense and winning 2-1 to or 3-1 to games, with the league going that direction and the Oilers having... McDavid and Dreisaitl, to me, are the keys for this team, but McDavid being such a special talent, yeah, I think they can hang around. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard this narrative. I know we, were, we brought this up back in June and July, who was going to be the first to say it. I don't know who the first person was to say it, but I have absolutely heard a couple times now from pretty respectable broadcasts, I've already heard the narrative of the Oilers are better because they traded Taylor Hall away, which... <laughs> I would say is one of the dumber takes you could possibly have in the NHL right now. They're better because Connor McDavid is healthy. Yeah, and then has a year under his belt. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's as simple as that. To, to take a player like Taylor Hall in the lineup and, and suggest that you're better is ridiculous. Now, they needed better defense. They got a guy who probably shouldn't have gone in that trade, but still you know, a serviceable defenseman for him. But, yeah, by and large, this really is a product of what Connor McDavid is doing so far. The other team that we uh, we need to touch on here, they're now 5-0-1. Oh, the Montreal Canadiens, mm. best record in hockey at this moment. Obviously, seven Canadian teams, all of them did not make the playoffs last year. I don't remember who you guys said is the most likely Canadian team to make it this year. My pick was Montreal. I think you guys both said Calgary, and that would have been my second most likely. I, <laughs> yeah, and that's not looking so good right now. No, Well, not at the moment. I mean, it's still early. I think they've allowed three goals since we started this podcast. <laughs> Hey, Brian Elliott picked up a win last night. That's nice. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, if they, if they you know, keep getting power plays against the Blackhawks, things might turn in their favor pretty quickly here. <laughs> um, in terms of Montreal, I, I do think this is real. I think they are a playoff team, as long as Carey Price stays healthy. I, just, I don't see how you miss the playoffs with the best goalie in the league in that division. I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Ten it's, goals. It's just what, it's what Montreal does. It's what they've done in the past, where they've had just kind of bleh forward cores and – Black defensive core and <laughs> outstanding goaltending to get into the postseason. Just hope Price stays hot and healthy. Yeah, that's. I mean, if you look at the moves they made in the off season. We all liked PK Subban more than Shea Weber, and I still do. But Weber seems to be fitting in specifically for Montreal. I, I heard the argument this morning, and this actually maybe something to it. Now, PK Subban's out on the Tennessee Titans sideline, dancing with the cheerleaders, and he's a, he's a fun-loving guy. That. That sort of positivity didn't play so well in Montreal. Yeah, apparently not. By the way, Stay Hot and Healthy is a great name for like an exercise DVD. Maybe it is. It could be. Aren't you filming that after we do this podcast? Yeah, I, I got like my, uh, my pink and my baby blue like sweatbands. And... This was explained why Jamie wore spandex to the show today. Craig, I'm sorry you're missing this. Um, <laughs> I'm not. And, and they... have, since you're back in Jersey, have you, have you visited the, the wound care facility? <laughs> no, not yet. Are you wearing a tracksuit? I, I hope to on the way down. It, it depends on the route we take. I'm, I'm still in Manhattan, actually, but I'll oh. I'll be heading to Newark soon. 
Craig's going to show up at the game tonight three minutes before opening face-off. <laughs> Uh, the other thing Montreal did is they added Radulov in the summer, who may may end up being a 15-goal scorer this year. I mean, he may not be anything, but they didn't give anything up for him, and I think that's that's the key. They have the huge advantage on everybody with Carey Price and Net. And look, Al Montoya started the first three games this year, and he was great too. But to have Carey Price back and healthy, then you just kind of need to put some okay pieces around him, and that's you know they've done that at least. So yeah, I think they're a playoff team. Not in a million years do I think they finished with the best record in the NHL, but they were doing this last year before Price got hurt, and the year before they were – did they win the division two years ago? They were right near the top of the division. Yeah, I mean, they, they certainly are a perennial playoff team when Price is healthy. It's a really good alliteration. But is, is this is, as high as they can go, though? Like you, you guys were just suggesting. I mean, you get into the playoffs, uh, you have a hot goaltender. I, I just don't see them winning you know, more than a round once they get to the postseason. I mean, maybe Carey Price could stand on his head for an extra round, but I, I just don't – I don't view them as any kind of cut threat whatsoever. No, because uh, I think if you look at just their skaters, I don't think they're one of the they're, – they're clearly not one of the three best teams in the East. And so at that point, you're just hoping that if they do the regular season that they, they carry price can solve a lot of their problems and cover up those warts. But when you're playing quality teams every single night and, and, in, and you know four times in seven-game series, it gets a little bit more tough and when you're playing over the course of a season, teams that just have no business being anywhere near the playoff conversation that Carey Price can just dominate. This, uh, this will definitely test Craig's theory that you have to have a, a number one center because I'm not even sure Montreal really has a number two center. If, you know, if, if the th- playoff picture broke in the East where they played you know, Florida or somebody in the first round and then Pittsburgh and Washington took each other out and somehow they and Tampa Bay got upset, like if it, if it went where they played Florida and then the Rangers and then either Pittsburgh or Washington, it, it's not inconceivable that Carey Price could get them through those three series. But, they're, I mean, I would not pick them to win the Stanley Cup. On paper, you can't win with just one guy. Although if it's going to be just one guy, you want it to be your goalie. So they do. they have that going for them at least. So you're taking Tampa Bay out of the mix in the Atlantic. They don't have to go through Tampa Bay. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Scenario. Tampa would be my pick to win to win the Eastern Conference. But I'm saying if something silly happened and Tampa Bay got upset in the first right. round and Montreal had a, a fairly easy path until they had to play Pittsburgh or Washington, as long as they don't have to play a ton of high-scoring teams, like if if so Mont- they have to play any good hockey teams, <laughs> they'll be okay. Go well, ahead. if Montreal, okay, let's say Montreal <laughs> finished as like the wild card and had to play Washington in the first round, then Tampa, then Pittsburgh. No, they're not going through all three of those teams. They're, Carey Price can stand on his head for one or two rounds. He's not winning them four, not, not through a gauntlet like that. And that's realistically probably what they would have to do. I think you should write this. Maybe I will. A crazy scenario in which the Canadians can advance to the cup final. If only there was a website in which you could put those words huh. out there to the world to read. got me thinking. All right. So Toronto wins the division, and they play the Maple Leafs in round one. Okay. Uh, do we want to get into the Pacific here? Do we have any other? Well, we should probably we should probably give Craig some therapy time now with the Chicago Blackhawks and their impressive penalty kill. Craig, do you have anything you'd it's like unreal, to say? It's unreal, isn't it? It's... I mean, we've probably done something on this the last three weeks. But it's... Mark Lazarus of the Sun-Times reported last night, the Blackhawks have allowed 14 goals on 26 opponent power plays this season. In 2013, they allowed 18 goals on 141 opportunities. When you look at that juxtaposition, it's just crazy what's happening here. I haven't seen anyone put this in historical context yet to see just how bad the Blackhawks penalty killing unit is. But it's really bad, and it might be like the worst in the last, I don't know, 20, 30, 
40 years. It's, it's abysmal right now. And it's, it's, it's equally crazy to think that there are veterans manning this, guys like Duncan Keith and Nicholas Chalmerson and Marcus Kruger, who guys have been really good in, in these situations in the past, and they can't do a thing to stem the tide right now. I mean, it's, it's almost cliched. I mean, we've talked about this, you know, ad nauseum about, okay, well, this is the big flaw that they have, and it just seems every single game, it's, you know, every, every time that they take a penalty, you're like, well, they're, they're probably going to score on this. And, you know, like you said, it's amazing with some of the, the defensive talent and the defensive forwards they have there, and just the overall skill level of some of the players on that PK, that they're still not able to even be competent. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's amazing to watch in a, just a, like a car wreck kind of a way. Don't you Calgary think... came into that game last night with one power play goal, I believe, and they left with three. Yeah. Calgary. I mean, their power play right now is at 10%. But that's a huge improvement over where it was before they played the Blackhawks. I mean, they're making everyone well. How is this happening? And, and I, I guess how long, do you, how long do you stand by before you say, okay, we're making massive changes because you guys aren't getting the job done. And I don't even know if those options are available to them. And, you know, we talked last year late in the season, oh, you know, everything on Chicago's PK will be a whole lot better once Marcus Kruger's healthy and, and in the lineup. Well, he's healthy and in the lineup, and it's worse. So, I mean, I, I don't know. So it was good last year, though, when he came back. Yeah. He helped it last year. So, but and then it, this it, year. Yeah, it's tough to figure out then what the issue is this time around because it was easy to point, okay, well, your, your top PK guy is out, and that's a, that's a massive loss. But now it's, it's just, I don't, I don't I even know where you begin to solve this problem. You guys yeah, aren't. I don't know either, right? Go ahead. But you're you're just you. You don't think some of this maybe is is the small sample size? I mean, I hear what you're saying, and I, and I watched that game last night, and the penalty kill looks horrendous. But even with all that, they're technically tied for second in the Central Division in terms in terms of points. They've played more games than some of these other teams. But I just they're not going to give up power play goals 50 percent of the time all year. I don't know what your options are. There's not some amazing penalty killer that's just floating around as a free agent. I almost feel like they just have to ride out the wave here, look at the schedule, and realize they play New Jersey, L.A., Calgary coming up, and, and just you know you, you string together two games, as silly as it sounds, where you don't give up a, a power play goal, and then with that offense, you should be able to string wins together and maybe just start building in the right direction again. It, it is a small sample. Yeah, I, I, and I don't know what the Black Ops practices look like, but there's a side of me thinking you pull these guys aside and say, okay, you're going to spend the entire hour or whatever it is working on the penalty killing you. That's all you're doing today because you've been garbage, absolute garbage thus far. And it's unacceptable. It's absolutely unacceptable. Corey Crawford has allowed three even strength goals this season. And this is basically a 500 team, the NHL version of a 500 team. Yeah. It's just, you, you can't have that happen. I'm guessing practice looks like Joel Quenville breaking a lot of things. And that's probably <laughs> Blackhawks practice right now. But, you know, the bright side for Chicago is. That's the area they have to fix. They know that. Craig's half-joking, but he's right. They could just spend the next three practices working on the penalty kill because they don't need to work on, hey, Jonathan Taves, figure out how to put the puck in the net. Like, they already, they've got everything else fairly under control. They can focus on this one area. There's a huge weakness right now. I'm not trying to downplay it. It's absurd, their numbers. But I also think it's, it's relatively fixable. They don't have to be number one on the penalty kill this year. And then again, it is a small sample size. They're not going to finish a season at 50%. But the problem is, is you have to give some credence to that small sample size when it's a problem you were easily able to identify in the preseason that has carried over. 
Now it's not just, oh man, this is just a blip on the radar. It's no exactly what we feared would happen is starting to happen, and they have to take that seriously. And when we did this last week, they had played St. Louis, Nashville, Nashville to start the year. I mean, those are teams with high-powered offenses. Since then, they've played Columbus, Toronto, and Calgary. So that's, you know, that's, those aren't the teams you look at and you're like, well, that Columbus penalty or power play, how, how could you stop that? It's, <laughs> you should be able to stop the Blue Jackets on their power play or Calgary on their power play. So, yeah, it's, it's real. Uh, I still... I still think they, they get it fixed enough where they are a, a legitimate force to be reckoned with in the Western Conference, but they, they do have something to work on, which is a little different than what we've been able to say about that team really for the last six or seven years. Yeah, it's like, they again, they, they sold their soul to the devil. It's what the, like what the Kings are doing with their goaltending right now. <laughs> okay. But they, got, they got their cups, and now this, this was the deal they made. Let, let's get into the Kings situation here. They have addressed their goaltending uh, issue, I guess we can say, by... By, by the definition of the word they have. The, by bringing in Anders Lindbach? That's, uh, can you explain to me why the Islanders and Kings haven't worked out a trade? The Islanders have three goalies. They're not in the same conference. There's, there's no reason. The Islanders clearly have three goalies because they don't want any of them exposed to waivers because they know they're going to lose one of them. But they've got J.F. Barubi, who has ties to the Kings organization, actually. Thomas Grice, Yaroslav Halak... Ruby's not even playing for the Islanders. They're just basically sitting him so nobody else can have him. How have those two teams not made some sort of trade? It doesn't have to be a blockbuster. I don't think there's, there's – Kings don't have much cap space. Well, and, and they're going to have to account for it at some point, Gabbard coming back. Barubi doesn't make any money, though. Why wouldn't you just make a trade for Barubi? Just something. Quick's out, if Quick's out as long as they think he's out and they're going to try and patch together with Peter Budai and Andres Lindbach, they're going to miss the playoffs. Well, if, if Quick's out as long yeah, well, as long as Yeah, and Zekhoff could be back really soon, and that's, that's part of this. But it's not like he's been part of the solution yeah. either. He's been, Jeff Zekhoff or is that, a different one? Struggled. What's that? Well, I, I just I didn't know if you found a different Zakoff. I don't know about him. I mean, Jeff Zakoff's <laughs> not going to guide them to the playoffs. He's he's fine for what he is. Maybe he's not. he's a good spot starter, but he's not. He can't be your number one. And you made this point last week. The Kings in front of the goalies haven't looked great yet either. They've looked a little bit better in the last week, but that team's built around goaltending and defense. They need a serviceable goaltender just to tread water until Jonathan Quick comes back, and and they're having a really hard time doing that right now. Yeah, and, and maybe that they don't want to get to the point of desperation yet. Maybe you know, maybe Andrews Lindback, who who was was a decent goalie at one point in his NHL career, can can figure this out and carry them for a little while. I don't know. Maybe this is just sort of a stopgap they feel right now, but if it gets even more desperate, then they may have to, you know, they may be forced into doing something more significant. Whose contract do you think they're going to find a way to cancel in a couple months to free up cap space? (laughs) Generally, at times like this, I I wait for them to make some sort of horribly lopsided trade with the Blue Jackets, but I don't know who the Blue Jackets could really offer. I mean, I, I guess... Yes, there's some way where the Blue Jackets will take on 90% of Bobrovsky's salary, and then he regains his Vezina form for the Kings. Dustin Brown for Sergei <laughs> Bobrovsky trade. That this, it feels like something where if the Blue Jackets hear this, they're going to be like, hey, I like what they're selling. Um, all right, so we've kind of tiptoed around this. There's, there's teams in the Pacific that are off to bad starts. The Oilers are off to a great start. That division is completely flipped right now. So do we want to get into this? This was Craig's idea where we're going to kind of go through and, and just give something – that each team from this division, and we'll probably do the other three divisions over the next couple of weeks here as well. Probably. Probably. You know, I'm not committing. If, if Luke feels like yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see how this You're goes. not committing to it? Okay. I, I don't want to commit. He's committing to it like he commits to the Lipinski's list. Pretty, pretty much. What's that again? Which we'll do it once every 8 to 12 weeks. Maybe this is the Lipinski list. 
here's a list of seven teams in the in the Pacific Division that need to fix some things. So we're, are we going to start at the top of the division with the Oilers? How weird is that to say? <laughs> yes, we start with the best team. You know, the interesting thing with the Pacific Division right now, uh, six of the seven teams in this division rank in the NHL's bottom 13 in goals per game and four in the bottom half of the NHL in goals against per game. So obviously things aren't going very well for this division right now. But sure, we can start with the Edmonton Oilers since they're carrying the banner for this division right now. So can you you explain to the listeners exactly what we're doing? I don't th- I don't feel like I sold it right. We're basically just saying what each team needs to be doing right now, correct? Yeah, I think we're trying to identify maybe the biggest issue facing each team right now that they need to fix in order to achieve their goals, whether those goals are simply making the playoffs or actually winning a Stanley Cup. All right. Well, we're going to let you go first with the Oilers because we have to have Jamie go last with the Oilers. Otherwise, we'll get taken off the air. Yeah. Well, one of the things that jumps out at me about Edmonton is they're still allowing a ton of shots per game, and that, that you can't sustain success when you're doing that. They're giving up 33.2 shots a game, which is tied for 25th in the league. They're only generating they're generating less than 29 a game. And as I said, that you can't keep up success. You can't sustain success when you're, you're getting out shot consistently like they are right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the Oilers, you know, we, we've talked about them a little bit on the show today already, but just in general – it does seem like there's a certain element of we're just going to keep doing what we've been doing and Connor will save us. And so far he's doing it. Um, but over the course of 80 games, you know, Connor McDavid could win the scoring title. That doesn't put the Oilers in the playoffs. Or if it does, it puts them right on the fringe if they don't do anything else right. So I, I, I think, you know, you're, you're kind of leading on, on Leo Dreisaitl right now as well. Jordan Eberle has been solid, but... Yeah, they, they are going to, when they start facing these teams like the Stars and the Blackhawks and some of these top teams from the East, and I'm assuming somebody else rises up in the Pacific here at some point too, you're going to have to suppress some of these shots. I, I would agree with that. But, <laughs> I mean, their goal has to simply be making the playoffs, and they got to feel pretty good about themselves right now. And in my mind, it's, it's avoiding past history, and it's a little bit of the blind leading the blind. They're going to go on a losing streak here at some point. Every team does. Can a team that, that at this young pull themselves out of it? Can they avoid going on a, a five, six, seven, eight game losing streak if they lose a couple in a row? Do they have the leaders in that room? Do they have the experience in that room to pull those young players out of it, even if those young players are their best players? That, that's the thing they're going to fight because the minute they start to struggle, the entire history of what Edmonton has been in the last, well, since they last made the Stanley Cup, is going to be thrown at them. Can they get over that hump? Uh, up next, the Vancouver Canucks. I'll go first here. I think they need to start getting leads in games. All right, your turn. <laughs> but, but their formulas worked out so well for them so far. No, I want Jamie to go second here. Uh, what I think they need is just to could just stop looking at the standings now. <laughs> just, just take a screenshot of where they are right now and just hang it up on the wall. And Benny can hang it up up there and just assume just nothing changes the rest of the season. They're four one and one this season as we record this. They've outscored the opposition fifteen fourteen. I mean, they are the shakiest four one and one what, in the NHL. Whatever they want to hide or whatever they want to like, just dump news out or make any changes. You do it right now because th- this is the peak of Vancouver. Actually, the peak might have been like a week ago, but. We're in the realm of the peak of Vancouver season right now. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not buying <laughs> which the leads to, Which leads to my take on what Vancouver needs to do. In order to achieve their goal, they just need to admit that they need to rebuild. This yeah. isn't 
going to last, as Jamie is already alluding to, and, and as, as we've seen with these last couple games, it's the Kings and the Ducks. This isn't going to last. The bottom is going to fall out. Just admit it. If you ever want to get back to the playoffs, start the rebuild. Okay, in terms of starting the rebuild, just because we've brought this up a lot with the Canucks, what exactly does that entail? Does that entail dealing away the Sedin twins? If you can, can you trade them to two separate teams, or are they a package deal? Because at that point, they're pretty much untradeable. Is Markstrom your goalie? Do you just run with him now? He's been good this season, and we've been hearing about how he's supposed to be the next big thing in net for about, it feels like, seven years. Is that sort of the plan? See if you can get anything for Ryan Miller. See if you can get anything for one or two Sedins. Is that even something the fan base would stand for up there? I, you know, I don't know. I, how hard it's, it's got to be a difficult thing to trade the Sedins. I would imagine that they want to stay together, and that's a problem that they've always had. You know, I'm sure they thought that when they when they got both these guys, it wouldn't be a problem. You don't have to worry about trading these two guys because they're both superstars. But it certainly presents a problem right now. And, and obviously, those would be the guys, you know, when you're looking at maybe cup contenders, you, you'd want to send someone to. These guys would bring a, a pretty good return, and, and, and a lot of teams, I think, would be interested in having them for a short run. But it, it, it really does create a problem when you're, when you're talking about a rebuild. That would be one of the crazier trades I can remember in NHL history if Vancouver trades both Sedins to whoever, the pick some t- the, the Rangers. That feels like something the Rangers would do. And all of a sudden, the team is adding two twins at the trade deadline. I, I don't remember an instance like that. You don't remember multiple twins? No, I don't remember identical twins being traded in the NHL. It's, I mean, they'd have to take back a, a bad contract themselves. I mean, there's no way I can see any team able that's going to be able to afford under the cap both of those players at the same time, even late in the season. Yeah, that's the biggest obstacle. Because I, I don't know that you can trade just one. Even if you're trading just one, they both have pretty hefty cap hits. But to trade two of them to the same team, I, I mean, that's, that would take some creativity. You're right. Somebody would have to send back some prospects. Otherwise, why are you even trading uh, the Sedins if you're not getting anything back? And if you're Vancouver, you're taking on a pretty big useless contract somewhere in there. All right, San Jose is so are third. We talk, are oh. we talking about a situation where these two guys just sit here? For, for the remainder of their careers then? I there, think so. There's no possible way you can move these guys? I, I think so as well. I think this is they're just going to stay because I don't think they're going to break them up, and if they don't break them up, I, just, I can't see a team sticking their neck out to bring both of them. So through 2017-18, Vancouver's just going to accept, accept that it's not a playoff team? Uh, no, they won't accept it. Yeah, yeah, they signed Louis Erickson. They're clearly not accepting it. <laughs> I... I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to have the two Sedins there, given what we just said. I mean, it would be so difficult to trade them anyway. Bring in your new young talent, have them learn from the Sedins. Maybe you can, if you've got a, a young player that's struggling up front, put them with the Sedins for a couple games. I think in, in a perfect world, that would be fine. I just don't know what else, what you have that's got value if you're the Canucks. I mean, if you're going to rebuild, you need to trade vets away. And so that has got to be Ryan Miller or Louis Erickson, who they just signed. They're not going to trade, so... Oh, they're 4-1-1. One, and one. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get tweets from Canucks fans saying they're on pace to finish with 180 points this season, so we need to chill. But when we have this conversation again in two weeks, I think it's going to be a little more relevant. Or just next week. <laughs> or just later on in the show. <laughs> All right. The uh, San Jose Sharks are third in the Pacific. They, they're at 500, 3-3. Three and three. I think they're probably still my pick to win this division at this point. They just seem to be the nice mix of sort of the old style of success in the Pacific, but also speed and skill. What do you see from the Sharks so far? Who 
who's going first here? I guess I'll go. I, they should try scoring some more goals. Ooh, interesting. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah. For, for a team good. that has this much firepower, in their, especially in their top six, they're, they have, what, 14 goals in six games? Uh, that's just that's not going to cut it. Yeah, when I look at this roster, though, it, it, I think it's more an issue of secondary scoring that they're not. They're just not getting any of it, to be honest, right now, because Brent Burns is certainly producing. Pavelski is producing. Thornton has five assists. That's what he does. Uh, Couture, Hurdle, Marlowe all have two goals apiece, so they're getting it from their top guys. But you go down the roster, and they're just not getting anything from anyone else. Mikel Botcher has one goal. I'm sure they were expecting a little bit more production from him, as have other teams before. <laughs> they just they, they need to get more balance in their scoring, and that's what I see as the issue for San Jose right now. Yeah, maybe at some point we're going to have the conversation that just as, much, as nice of a guy he is, Mikel Botker is what he is. And that's a that's a 17 to 19 goal, 40 point guy. Yeah. I mean, it's still early, but that's, you start to wonder. Yeah, I mean, new team. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for a couple more weeks. One goal, one point in six games. It's one thing to not, to not have a a scoring touch early on, new season, new team, but you'd like to see one goal and three assists in six games or whatever, not one goal and no assists. And it's not just him. I mean, Jonas Donskoy was a great rookie last year. He has an assist through six games. So Melker Carlson has a goal through six games. Craig's right. It's You're getting production from those top guys pretty much on par with how you'd expect. In fact, I think Brent Burns has been even a little bit better, if that's possible, and, and that has gotten you to three and three. And Martin Jones has been... It, Okay. He's yeah, been just been okay. okay. L.A. would certainly take him back. <laughs> yes. Yes, they would. So I, I think we all agree the Sharks will and be so fine. And so would Boston right now. Remember when he was on Boston for like a half yeah, second? Yeah, we have to get into Boston later, too. They don't have any goalies left. Anaheim Ducks, 2-3-1. and one. They've won two in a row. Are they starting to do what they do every year? They're just doing it earlier this year where they start really slow, and now they're starting to, to figure out how to win some games, or do they have issues? Uh, we'll go with Craig first. Well, I think – I think Anaheim's biggest issue here was, as I mentioned earlier, they started out on the road. They played five games on the road. You know, you'd like to maybe get one more point. They went 1-3-1 and one on the road. Maybe if you go 2-2-1 two, two and one, and then you're 1-0 at home. Nobody's really concerned about their start right now. And I don't even think it's fair to be concerned right now. because They, they got home. They beat the Canucks, which a lot of people are going to do. And they're they're right back in this race. I, I, like Jamie said, Edmonton's going to cool off a little bit. Vancouver is certainly going to cool off. So I, I think for Anaheim, mostly, it's just get a little bit of home cooking. They could certainly use some more offense. They're only scoring 2.33 goals a game, which is tied for 26 in the league. But, again, some of that, I think, is product of being on the road so much. Couldn't agree more. I think just home cooking is what they can use. They have veteran players. They're going to be up and down. They have pieces there. Again, it's a very winnable division, as we've talked about a bunch. There's really nobody is standing out as, wow, this is going to be the team to watch in that division. You just need to get back home and get some, some home games under them, and I, I think they'll be okay. I still don't think they're as good as the Anaheim teams of three and two years ago, but they're, I still think there could be a, a playoff team, especially considering that the Pacific Division just really is nothing special right now. Uh, I would I would just point back to what I said last week and the week before and the week before. At some point, you need to bring in Hampus Lindholm. Uh, this is a, a pretty talented young defenseman. He had three less goals than Ryan Getzlaff last year, which maybe serves more as a reminder that Ryan Getzlaff isn't a goal scorer anymore. He only had 13 last year. But Hampus Lindholm had 10. That was good for sixth on the entire team in, in goals. He's somebody that this group leans on, and it's somewhat mind-boggling that to me, that he's still not signed because it doesn't seem like it's contentious like the, the situation in Winnipeg with Truba. I, I don't remember a year where we've had two restricted free agents with this much upside 
not playing two weeks into the season. Specifically for Anaheim, they need Hampus Lindholm, and, and they don't even seem to be clearing out cap space to have a negotiation with them. I mean, they can't pay the guy $600,000 a year. they got to figure something out, and it doesn't even seem like it's, it's a priority right now. So that's yeah, and that's a coming. guy who could help generate offense for you as well. So, uh, you know, Puck Boober, a guy who can get it up to your forwards, and that would certainly help them. Uh, I, I still expect that to get done at some point. It is perplexing, though, that it, it hasn't happened already, and we're just deep in the season. Yeah, that's the weird part, because usually when it, care, when it lingers over into missed games, now we're half dozen missed games, you start to hear a lot of bickering almost, or, well, this is this side's fault, or it's this agent's fault, and we're not hearing a lot of any of that. It just feels like doesn't even exist in some ways and same thing with Chuba a little bit yeah it's but it maybe this is just my perception but the Chuba situation seems like it is a little more the sides maybe don't like each other as much as I just well I mean that I mean that stems from demanding a trade and yeah it happened as well which is absolutely a good point but it just feels like it's so quiet with these two very good players that are just not playing and, and valuable players it's not like these guys are extra wingers on the Capitals and they know they can get by and the team has all the leverage. These are young defensemen which are at a huge priority in this league. Worst case, why wouldn't you get them signed and try and trade one of them? I just, I think of the two, I, I, it seems much more likely to me that in a week we're going to hear alright, Anaheim got Lindholm signed and everybody's happy than, than Truba. But at the same time, once you break the seal of the season actually starting, that to me is the sort of the checkpoint for having a sense of urgency. Now Anaheim's playing games without him, and they're starting to win games without him. Yeah, we, we don't we don't think this is going to linger to that December one deadline, do we? I don't. I, I don't, but that deadline's not that far away. I mean, that's a little over a month. I don't think it will, but if if it's not going to linger, then why not just get it done now? All right, Calgary. The uh, the Flames started horribly. Then they got a couple power plays against Chicago, and they, they feel a little bit better about themselves. So I, I think I guess I'll start here. I think for the Flames, it's just a matter of, of patience with this young team and getting better goaltending from Brian Elliott, which they got against the Blackhawks, and apparently he's going to go again tonight against St. Louis. So if he somehow comes out of these back-to-back games feeling good about himself, they, they need Brian Elliott to be their number one goalie. He can't be Chad Johnson. They, they traded for Elliott to be the guy. Yeah, I couldn't agree. But they're scoring a ton. Their offense is definitely not the issue, and it's definitely not what we didn't think it would be an issue. I know it's only three goals a game right now, but that's better than a lot of the teams in this division are doing. But they're just giving up a ton of goals. So Elliott has to be a little bit better. He's got to – I mean, they, they invested in him, at least for this year. They thought, okay, this is going to be the guy. And, and as we, you know, we talked about um, you know, in, in the previews, that they kind of think that Elliott's going to be the guy. Well – He's got to be able to show it. It's such a small sample size, especially as you talked about earlier, new team, new player on a new team. But if they can get a little bit of goaltending, if their defense can be a little bit better, particularly their bottom pair, I think they're going to be just fine. That scoring is real. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement here. Brian Elliott comes in to this game with an 867 save percentage and a 3.96 goals against average, which are improvements over where it was before that Chicago game. The, the Flames have surrendered an NHL high 29 goals it's pretty obvious what this team needs to do to get back on track. To put that in perspective, too, the 29 goals allowed is by far the worst in the NHL. Most teams are in the teens. Uh, the only one that's even close is, I'm sorry, Craig, Chicago with 25. But as we pointed out, what, 12 of those are, are power play goals? That they 14. Do? 24. Oh, 14. <laughs> 24 of them. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just getting lottery numbers thrown at me now. All right. 
The LA Kings, this, this one's fairly simple. Get Healthy a goalie. Goal yes, just find somebody. Just pick, train somebody. What they need is, you know that spray, like in international soccer matches, they spray on injured yes, players. They'll never miraculously heal. They need to spray that all <laughs> over Jonathan Quick right now. Then they'll be okay. Yeah. They, uh, they need to have a reality show in L.A. to make the next great goaltender for the Kings. That's what they need to do because what's, what they're doing right now is not going to work. I mean, it's literally holding together your goaltending situation with Band-Aids, and they're different Band-Aids every three days. And they've also scored 14 they're, goals. Yeah, they're allowing a goal in a quarter more than they did all of last season. And, again, we keep saying small sample size, but that's staggering. That's a huge jump, and that's going to impact the team. So, Clearly, they need to get this figured out. I, I, you know, I have to wonder about Anders Lundbeck. He was not very good with the Coyotes in the short opportunity that he got with them. But this is a guy that had some success in the past. I know I've, I've talked to him over the, the offseason, and he was working out really hard. It really is his dream to stay here. It would be a really good story if a guy like Lindbach could turn it around. Uh, you guys have probably dealt with him as well. Really good guy. Just, he brings all the things that you hope someone brings to a team in terms of character. It would be a nice story if he could turn it around and, and actually help rescue this team. Yeah, that's a great point. It, it, I mean, if you think about where Lindbach was at the end of last season where he had that injury that's just – it's a fluke injury, it's a brutal injury, and with Louis Domingue stepping in as, at the time, the number one in Arizona and then now the number two, you kind of wondered if Lindbach's days in the NHL were over just because Coming off an injury like that and not being on an NHL roster, how is he supposed to work his way back in? He's found a way to work himself back in. He's he is on a team that should be good. If he could, if he can go on a nice little run here, he could really carve out a nice role for himself, not just for this year but going forward. And he's had flashes of success here and there. And again, this is more of an, an extreme example and not something that's typical. But you know, we saw it with Devin Dubnik, who had some success in his time in Edmonton and really crashed out for a little bit there, came to Arizona, had some success as a backup, and then moved on in a trade to Minnesota and is their starter now. Now, that's that's asking a lot for Lindback to do that, but he is going to have an opportunity to start for a team that, when everything is clicking, has the puck a lot, and that makes his job a little bit easier. Yeah, that's yeah. true. He, uh, he came very close to uh, winning the backup spot in New Jersey. He made that decision very difficult on them, so... I'm very curious to see what happens. And you're right, Jamie. That would be it. If you could, if you could pick a place to end up, you know, if, if you want to revive your career, that's a really good team to uh, sit behind, given their history, at least, with possession, shot suppression, and the way they play defense. All right. Coyotes are 1-4 and four so far this season. Craig has followed them out to New Jersey, which is where he's uh, doing this from right now. So. Well, he's in Manhattan, if you were listening. Remember? That's that's true. The team. I know, team I know, I know we don't usually listen to Craig, but... <laughs> is Craig on today? Oh. Craig, are you there? Um, wow. <laughs> is he downgraded to special guest again? <laughs> well, he's very special if he's calling in from 3,000 miles away. Uh, so, Craig, we'll... we'll the, this, the fact that he's calling in from any mileage, really, like if it's, if it's in like the continental you know, U.S., does it matter that he's calling from 3,000 miles away versus well, know, like Los Angeles? It would be weird if he was calling in from like that room over there that we can see through this window in the office. That would be strange. Well, that's not a bad idea. I'll keep, put that under consideration. Yeah. We should have probably done that when I didn't have the mic, so I didn't have to keep running into the room last week to, to yell different. <laughs> no, I love that. That was tremendously awkward and fun. It was great. Uh, all right, so, Craig, you're with this team right now. They're one and four. We'll start with you in terms of what needs to uh, to change for this group. Well, I think there's plenty of material for all three of us, so and I don't, I don't really want to get into goaltending again, but <laughs> swing away on that one. But they need, they need Anthony Duclair and Max Domi to get going here. Um, neither one of them has scored. Max Domi has two assists. 
I think they're they're trying to see what they can get going uh, tonight in New Jersey because they're juggling the line. But clearly, these are two guys that they simply need goals from. You can talk about all those other areas of the game, and those are important. But these two guys need to put the puck in the net for this team to be successful. Yeah, I mean, it's it, maybe it's unfair to ask the two of them to basically be your two top offensive weapons, but that's the situation. And so they, they're at least going to have to be more productive than they've been so far. Um, <laughs> I, I, would, I guess I'll go a different path and say it would be nice for them to play a home game at some point. I and mean, we were talking about this with the Ducks and how they've played so many road games. For the Coyotes to be on what amounts to, what, a 4,700-mile, six-game Eastern road trip, that's tough for any team. It's a little bit tougher when you are a team that doesn't really know what you are yet. I mean, half the roster's new. So you couple that with the fact that they've already used three goalies in their first five games at various points. It's just, that's rough. I think more than anything, if you look at this road trip so far, and they get Corey Schneider tonight, so it's not going to be easy to suddenly start scoring goals. They were bad against Ottawa. They were slightly better against Montreal. They were better against the Islanders. And I thought they actually played well enough to win on Sunday against the Rangers. They didn't play perfect, but... I think most nights, if they play like that, they will win. I think more than anything with a young, new team, they just need a win to build off of. So we'll see if they get that tonight. And also when they're on the road like this, this is really when their center depth becomes a problem. When the, the other team is so easily able to match up against the Coyotes when they have last change on the road, it, it completely changes the way they can play. And if you look at some of the young players, and the young offensively gifted players, we talked about Dormy and Duclair, but you look at their leading scorers right now, and as, and as good as the things that he does, you know, every time you look up, Brad Richardson and Radim Verbata and Jordan Martinuk shouldn't be your goal scorers. It's great when they do. That's a piece to their puzzle. But you need some of those other guys to step up. And you look at their, their defense, and particularly on the third pairing, and as good as Chichwin has been offensively, he can have some lapses in the defensive zone. They're still looking to find a consistent number six defenseman. And there's just so much about them that has so much potential but especially when they go on the road and they have to be matched up against other teams' top lines and they can expose all their weaknesses, it, it really shows. Yeah, and, you know, we all said, I think we all took basically the over on 19.5 goals for, for Redding Verbata this year now that he's not playing on Vancouver's seventh line. Uh, and he's, he started off well in, in that regard. I think they do need offense from him. I think 20 goals from him would be great. 20 to 25 would be fine. You're not – you're right, though, Jamie – Jordan Martinook and Brad Richardson can't be your number two and number three goal scorers. You, you need offense from them, but that's not – they're not supposed to have that responsibility because they have other responsibilities. So we'll see. Other guys are going to have to start contributing offensively, but they, they're, they're in a tough spot playing all these road games with a goalie injury because Mike Smith looked good, I thought. It was only a game and a half, but you start to couple it with the preseason, the end of last year. He was finally starting to look like Mike Smith, and then he gets hurt. And Louis Domingue – has he's made some great saves and Craig you can speak to this too because you're you're there now the last couple games he's made some fantastic saves and and some of that is the defense exposing him to real high percentage shots that they need to clean up but the the game winning goal in each of the last two games those were shots he has to stop and so you can you can look at the full game and say okay well maybe he stops that but he lets in this breakaway goal so you can't really get too down on him but at the same time they kind of need their goalie to win them a game right now they do, uh, you know, and as, as I said in that story the other day, they, you know, at some point the Coyotes need to be able to pick their goaltender up a little bit too. But this is such a young, and I don't want to call them fragile, but there's such a small margin for error for this team right now. And, and Domingue can make those great saves, but when you're allowing third-period goals that just change the tone of the game, as Dave Tippett put it, 
that's going to chill a team. You know, they, they, they haven't yeah, – it's a combination of things. You can't blame it all on Louie. You, you do need those other guys scoring. But when he gives up that early third-period goal, after like against the Rangers, they battled back. And I thought they were the better team in that second period. I really thought they had taken control of the game. But he gets beat on another point shot at the start of the third period, and it just changed the way that they had to play the game. All of a sudden, they're chasing again. The Rangers can sit back a little bit, be a little more comfortable, and the Rangers certainly know how to do that. They just need they need to get a couple breaks, like you said. They need to win a game here. A couple things need to go their way, but it just seems like right now one or two mistakes or one or two shortcomings are really costing them, and as a result, they're 0-4 on this road trip. And with such a young team like this, not all goals are created equal. You mentioned that point shot. It's it's one thing to when you claw back into a game and then you have it taken away from you, you feel like, and then you're chasing it again. They still have to learn how to battle back in those games. And you know, Dave Tippett talks about it all the time, about the energy spent chasing the game. So sometimes when you finally get back to a tie score, you have nothing left to then push it to the next level and go and win games. And you're starting to see that with the Coyotes as well. And you know, like, like you mentioned, there's such a small margin for error right now. They have a lot of raw talent, but they don't have a lot of established talent yet on the offensive side. They need to be able to win some of these games and, and go over the course of the season before you're able to look at this team as somebody that's going to contend for uh, for a playoff spot. But they're going to be better at home. They've proven to be a better, a decent home team. But And they look good on opening night, although to be fair, one, it's one game sample size, and two, they have, I think it's like the fifth best record in the NHL on opening night since they've come into the league. So that's a team that just tends to get up for those games. But they're not as bad as they've been playing right now, but I don't think they're significantly better either over the course of the season. I, I think with, with a lot of them, and Craig kind of alluded to this, it, again, fragile probably isn't the right word, but when you have a young team with half your roster new, you if you start the season off 3-0, and all of a sudden you feel good about things. Now it almost feels like they're scrambling a little bit. And, and it sounds like Justin Peters will start tonight. Uh, against the Devils, he he played a little bit in the Montreal game and, and looked okay. Um, how is the defense? Because Jamie brought this up. Jacob Chikrin to me has been one of the the biggest bright spots on this team because you see him doing stuff that he he has some instincts and some skills that there are ten year vets at his position in this league don't have. There's stuff clearly that you you can't teach that he has, and that's great. But he's also an 18 year old defenseman who's played four NHL games. Craig, in, in your mind, since you're there, are, are they doing enough, the other defensemen doing enough to sort of protect him? Because he's going to make defensive mistakes. You have to know that when you put an 18-year-old out there. The upside's clearly worth it because he's got three points in four games for a team that isn't scoring enough right now. But in your mind, have the other five or six or seven defensemen done enough? Well, I, I, sometimes you're in a situation where you can't, right? When you look at the, the first goal that the Rangers scored where Luke Shen was with his man, and they came out from out, and then the uh, came out from behind the net, and then the the front of the net was wide open. I don't, you know, I never even saw fully on that replay where Jacob Chikrin was, but I know he was very high in the zone. I was trying to figure out what was going on there. It was it was a it was a blown assignment, and it, in situations like that, you really you can't cover for a guy. He just has that. He has to know where he's supposed to be positionally, and that's just going to be a work in progress with a guy that's that young. That was. An especially egregious example. I haven't even asked Tip exactly what happened on that play, but you obviously can't have the open, you know, your net wide open. The guy standing in the slot just waiting to receive a pass and put it in. Are we uh, we good on the Pacific Division? Do we have any other news and notes we want to hit here? I've got a couple. By all means, go all for right, it. Well, now, now the pressure's the floor on. floor is yours, Mr. Well, Lipinski. Let's start with the Bruins. Uh, much like the Kings, they don't have any let's. goalies left. <laughs> so. 
I, I don't know. What, what does that team do? They, their situation is not as bad as the Kings because it's not like Tuka Rask is out forever. But how many emergency goalies can you use in the first two weeks of the season? And are we just at a point where we're going to start seeing Malcolm Subban play more and more hockey? Maybe the goalies need more pads. <laughs> everybody's so hurt. Everybody in the league is hurt right now. Maybe just, just more pads. Just, just cover them like in giant like, – like, like the how people dress as goalies for Halloween, just let them do that. That's how Garth Snow used to play goalie. So, yeah, just <laughs> – Dress up like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and stand in net. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, the Bruins, they've got offensive weapons, but it's, 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 a, it's a, lot of, uh, a lot of different goaltenders early in the season. I, I think we all kind of feel like the, there's playoff spots up for grabs in the Atlantic Division, but I don't know if we're putting Montreal and Tampa Bay in, there may only be one playoff spot up for grabs. So I don't, you can't burn through a lot of games not – having a goaltender, and that's sort of the position Boston kind of finds themselves in right now. Yeah, they just recalled Zane McIntyre on a emergency basis. By the way, Zane McIntyre, who formerly was Zane Cosper, he had his name changed, so a little bit of trivia for you there. Look at other that. than that, I have nothing to say about Look Zane that. McIntyre other than the fact that the Bruins are hoping that he never has to play in that this season. Under any name. Um, this is what happens to you. Said was, Craig, was he like so bad the first time he had to go witness protection? Do, do we know the backstory to this? Or? <laughs> Craig's exploring right now. <laughs> I don't have time for this right now. Sorry. <laughs> is, is it really I got to get down to the lovely Newark. So the name used to be like Rick DiPietro? <laughs> oh, that's okay. Now you're just taking un, unprovoked shots. Uh, I feel like since we talked so much about Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid last week, we should at least point out Patrick Line now has four goals of his own. I don't know if you guys watched. The game last Wednesday, I should just call it Line A versus Matthews because that's how it was billed. Overtime was pretty cool, though, 3-3. Three and three. Matthews stopped on the breakaway. Three seconds later, Line A scores for the hat trick to win it for Winnipeg. And then the Jets promptly go out and get shut out on home ice in the Heritage Classic by the Edmonton Oilers. So, you know, sometimes you can't have good things for a reason. But Patrick Line looks like he's the real deal, too. I'm starting to get to the point where to have success in this league or – you either have to be the Penguins or the Capitals or the Blackhawks or the Lightning, or you have to have a young player that's just going to score a goal every night. It's a young man's game. It really is. And you're starting to see that with, yes, you have the stars like the Conor McDavid's coming in or Austin Matthews, but if you look at around the league and you look at the teams that are ascending, you look at the the Floridas, you look at the Tampa Bays even, even though they're a couple years further beyond those teams, the Arizonas, Calgary's, all the teams we start to talk about is they're the team of the future, they have a cache of a lot of good young players that are cost-controlled. That's how you have to win now. You have to. Yes, sometimes you, you can have superstar players like the Blackhawks had, but they cultivated those young players. It got to a point where they became cap-strapped because of it. You, that's how you have to build your rosters. You cannot win in free agency anymore. You just no. can't. That's a, great, that's a great way to put it. Craig is sitting in, in Manhattan in stunned silence right now. I'm, I'm thinking about the... Uh Heritage Classic, which was delayed almost two hours, was it, by sunlight? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> a, a, a rare nice day in Winnipeg. <laughs> there we go. There's the shot. <laughs> Again, though, somebody else actually, somebody said that to me in the tunnel last night. I, I, I probably shouldn't throw the Coyotes official under the bus that said that to me, but he said, well, there's not a lot of sun in Winnipeg. But again, it's a daytime game. Shouldn't you at least account for the possibility that the sun will be shining because Sun comes up every day. Well, or just don't put Isn't that factor into your thinking. Don't put the Heritage Classic a week and a half into the season. I was watching that game with a couple people that are kind of hockey fans, but more so just sports fans, and they were like, "Why is this game outdoors? It's October. I mean, it's yeah, the middle of October. Do it at night. 
or, or just do it in three weeks. Yeah, I, it just, it's, but it is kind of funny to think about that. Hey, we're, we're going to schedule a, a mid-afternoon hockey game, but we didn't account for the sun. Yeah. Uh, that's... Right. Whoa, what's that up there? <laughs> Uh, what do you guys make of the Jets, real quick? I, this is a team that intrigues me because Mark Shifley is... so bad for Geno Smith. Oh, Winnipeg, Winnipeg Jets. Jets. Winnipeg Jets yeah, we don't need to talk about the New York Jets. <laughs> I think Mark Shifley might be the most underrated young star in the NHL. And Line a is obviously pretty good, but their goaltending has been horrendous. And that team, can they make the playoffs in the Central? I guess maybe this is a preview of well, next week when we talk about the Central. To your point earlier about what Anaheim needs... Winnipeg needs to get Jacob Truba on the ice. So he's a very important piece of their future, and he, he would help a whole lot both on the defensive end and in you know in getting pucks out of the zone more quickly. He's a big piece to have missing right now. They, I, as, far, as far as Shifley, I, I'm really curious to see what happens to him. If he, can, if he can take that next step into that upper echelon, he obviously signed the contract, and they think he's he's going to be their guy. But but without Jacob Truba, I. I don't see how this happens. That's that's too important a piece to just be sitting on the sidelines this long. Yeah, absolutely. They desperately need him. That team is not good enough to lose a piece of that caliber and still think they can contend for the postseason. But you know, Shifley continues to be underrated. I, I will still beat the drum that Blake Wheeler still is the best player in the league nobody knows about. Yeah, and I mean, he plays in Winnipeg, so are we at the point where Shifley will just will never be known about? I mean, he had 29 goals last year as a 22-year-old player, and he's already got three goals, three assists in five games this year. I'd be a little concerned if I were a fan of hockey in Winnipeg because Shifley's got three and three. Line's already got a hat trick and four goals, and they're in last place in the Central right now. Yeah, I mean, you have to be a little concerned where a lot of your pieces that you expected to succeed are succeeding and the team's still not. Again, it's early, but, I mean, that goaltending's a problem, and it's been a problem. It's known. Uh, it's, it, it's amazing, and it's, it's so much like quarterback play in the NFL where you see these teams that have bad quarterbacks or bad goaltenders, and they're on contracts that they can't get out of, particularly in the NHL, because in the NFL you can kind of get out of most contracts. And they're just perpetually, year after year after year, you say it's the same problem, the same problem, the same problem, and there's nothing ever gets done about it. Yeah, what's the solution there? Not specifically for the Jets, but just in general. If you, Jamie's spot on here. This is a, a banner moment on the show. We need some sort of sound effect. Craig, if, if and I'm sorry you're missing it because you, you're and and also you giving him props for it. I know. That's, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm that's, just gonna clip that true. part out. That's gonna be like that ten seconds. There's the whole podcast. Yeah, can we edit that actually out completely? I already regret it. Um, if you if you sign a goal, I guess Winnipeg's in a, in a little bit of a different situation. Connor Hellebuck was supposed to be good, and maybe he still will be, but he hasn't been so far this season. He was he was fine last year. If you sign a goalie to a long term deal and he struggles, you're just kind of stuck for the length of his contract. I, I mean, what's other than just have an elite goaltender, what's the key for some of these teams that aren't Montreal? Are you just sign a goalie for two or three years and, and hope he gets going and then sign him for two and two or three more years? Because if you look around the league over the last five or six years, there's not a lot of guys that have been consistently great in net. It's, the list is like Carey Price, Henrik Lundqvist, Pecorine was actually kind of shaky last year. He's probably on the list, and Jonathan Quick, and maybe I'm missing one or two guys. That's about it. No, I agree with you completely on that front. You have to be really, really careful about signing a goaltender to a long-term contract. And you might even be willing, you know, take a look at what Tampa Bay is willing to do right now. You might even be willing to walk away from a guy who looks like a franchise goalie just based on the the history that the league has shown with, with, with goaltenders. They're just a handful of guys who have managed to sustain it for long periods of time. So 
when you hand out that contract, and I, you know, I know a lot of Coyotes fans are listening to this, nodding their heads when they think about Mike Smith. You could put yourself in a world of hurt, both from you know what what you do in, in at that position and with what you do managing your cap. And Dallas too. I mean, there's we could we could rattle off probably oh, yeah. a ten to a dozen teams that you know various degrees either they're paying too much to the goaltending position or they've got a guy locked up for too long that they can't really just get rid of. It's it's a problem. And it affects all teams. Like occasionally you're going to hear a story. Of, you, you'll hear the Chicago Brian Bickle because of how close they are to the cap of how that contract specifically handicapped them. There are close to I have to take a look, but there are close to what eight to ten teams that their goaltender contract of goaltenders that are just mediocre to poor is really hindering not only their ability to sign other players, but to actually compete for a playoff spot or compete for a cup. Yeah, because if you have to play Brian Bickle and you're overpaying him, you just stick him on the third line. Maybe he contributes, maybe he doesn't. You can find other ways to win. If your goalie, like we saw this in the playoffs last year with Dallas, to have that much money tied up in Antiniemi and Kerry Lettinen and for them to both just give up three, four, five goals a game, that that's it. You're just done. You can't hide your goalie. And Generally speaking, even if you somehow can, if your starter's overpaid but you don't like him and you put him on the bench, well, your backup's not going to be great unless you're Tampa. So that's yeah. it. There, there are a, a number of factors at play here, too. When you you got to look at your own system and think, is there anybody that's even close to being ready to come in? Are there free agents that we're going to be able to sign that we think are, you know, possibly could be that number one goalie? So all those things certainly come into play. When you, when you look at when the Coyotes signed Mike Smith, there really wasn't much available on the market that season, and they didn't have anything in their system. So they were sort of forced into that situation. But again, when you're talking about the kind of term that he signed for, it can really create problems for you down the road. But that's, I mean, the goalies have the leverage. If you, if you want to use the Mike Smith example, he was coming off, what he was basically a half yeah, season removed away from almost winning the Vezina. Yeah, so and, what are you going to do? And you're put in a tough spot there when you're trying to win now because if, if I remember correctly, your options, your best case scenario in that phase was either do you re-sign Mike Smith and hope he is the player that, or close to the player he was in that magical season, or do you go with some combination of what time would have been, I think, Chad Johnson and Anton Hudobin and say, well, maybe they'll t- maybe one of those guys can lead us to the playoffs. I mean, it, it's I'm not saying it's easy. It's just when you make a mistake on that on a goaltender contract, it just haunts the team for years. And Smith hasn't, you know, Smith's biggest issue is he's just been hurt. He hasn't submarined the Coyotes like the goaltending in Dallas has. Dallas, I, mean, I, I know people are picking them to win the Cup this year or to get to the Cup. How is that going to happen? I, I can't envision a scenario unless, I mean, I guess Anton Yemi has won a Cup before, so maybe he recaptures that in the playoffs. Kerry Lettinen's never been that guy. So, to me, it's got to be Niemi, and he's got to really sort of catch lightning in a bottle for that team to win the Stanley Cup. And that... And they're stuck. They can't do anything. They can't bring in another goaltender because nobody's going to take one of those two. It's, I don't know, it's, it's an epidemic is what it is. Uh, last note here before we let Craig go back to living the high life in, in Manhattan. Want to say anything here about the uh, McCulloch brothers who right now are both heading to the AHL? It's, it's been a rough week for Zabinik and Milan. Craig, I will uh, open the floor to you. Yeah, well, Toronto put Milan McCulloch on waivers yesterday and he cleared so he will head to the Marlies. We all, all know Zabinek Bakalik is already playing for Tucson. It's just boy, it's a rough business. That's that's pretty much my thought on this. These are two guys who were significant contributors, certainly not superstars, but significant players for a while in this league and now they're both headed to the AHL, which, you know, it's you're still playing professional hockey, I guess, and 
in some respects, life could be a lot worse, but it, it's certainly not what either one of these guys wants to be doing right now. It, it's a tough situation for both of them. Yeah, and two players that are so so ingrained in the markets that they were in for a while. I know Mia McCock wasn't isn't with the Senators anymore, but how long he played there and and Z for Coyotes fans, you know, again, never was the team's top defenseman, but he played a very key role for for a number of years in in Arizona, including for a short period of time on the top defensive pairing. So he he was a part of a lot of Coyotes teams and a lot of success for those teams. But uh, I know, as, as you mentioned, Craig, I believe it was on Twitter, but how the the role he could possibly serve in the AHL for a lot of the young players that they have down there as a, as a veteran leader, as a mentor, not too far away from the main club in Tucson. Yeah, both both of yeah, them, too. Yeah, a solid guy, too, as we both know. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say the exact same thing. I mean, Zabinik McCulloch, I can speak more to than, than Milan just because he's been with the Coyotes, but he is you – know, both of these guys are on very young teams with Toronto and, and Arizona, so they're kind of getting caught up in the youth movement and, and more so with a guy like, like Z – He's just, he's not a flashy, he's the definition of just a gritty hockey player that for a while there was routinely leading at least the Coyotes in block shots every single year. A lot of times near the top of the NHL in block shots, just giving up the body. Uh, The three of us have all seen him coming off the ice or, you know, heading towards the locker room, just completely beat up and bruised and you never hear about it. He just goes back out there and blocks shots again. So it's, it's tough to see a guy like that get sent down. But then you look and the Coyotes essentially have 10 defensemen they're kind of rotating right now and unfortunately that's just sort of the nature of the business it's also one of the better trades they yeah. made too back in back in 05 it was eric westromer i believe was the was the one v one deal for minnesota when they got uh Sabinic. that worked out pretty well for the coyotes i would say all right eric westrom shout out on the uh, 2016 <laughs> hockey podcast there you go that pretty much ends the show i think for us this week craig do you have anything else are you you got any, any, any stories from New York you want to share with us? Or maybe we should wait till next week when you have stories from New Jersey with Craig Morgan. <laughs> there are always stories from New Jersey. So, yeah, let's hold off a week. i got to get going okay. down to New York now. All right. For Craig Morgan and Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hat Trick Podcast.